<coughs> this is the second day of this July 2023 seven-day session, and we'll return to the teachings of the 12th century Chan master Da Wei. This is from the book Swampland Flowers: The Letters and Lectures of Zen Master Da Wei. He starts off in this letter. He starts off strong. Where do we come from at birth? Where do we go at death? If you know where we come from and where we go, then you can be called a student of Buddha. Who is it who knows of birth and death? And who is it who experiences birth and death? Again, who is it who doesn't know where we come from and where we go? Who is it who suddenly realizes where he comes from and where he goes to? And who is it who, pondering these words, blinks his eyes, unable to understand, his belly churning up and down as if a mass of fire were placed in his heart? If you want to know, just apprehend him at the point where he can't understand. If you can recognize him, then you'll know that birth and death surely have nothing to do with him. That is nothing to do with he or she. That is beyond all this. He or she. That is the the seer, the knower. The word Buddha. Uh, one very essential way to understand the word Buddha is uh, enlightened awareness. That's, that is what Dawei is, is speaking of here. You'll know that birth and death, birth and death, uh, as we've said so many times, a, a better way to, maybe an easier way to understand the term birth and death, which you, is very common in, in Buddhist texts, birth and death is a world of change, impermanence, cycle of existence. And that's not the whole of reality, this world of change. There's a, there's a, there's a backside to this, a reverse. The other side of the coin is that which is beyond birth and death. Zen Master Dogen said, when there is Buddha in birth and death, there is no birth and death. When we can rest in that fundamental awareness, they could be called Buddha or not, 
when we can rest in that fundamental awareness, then we're free of change, of dying, sickness, old age, and death. This, uh, going back to this sentence, where he says, and who is it who, pondering these words, blinks his eyes, unable to understand, his belly churning up and down as if a mass of fire were placed in his heart? That's, that's the fortunate one, the one for whom this creates real Unrest, doubt, questioning, the longing to know. There's no no better fuel for awakening than this this discomfort. Dukkha. Dukkha, the first of the Four Noble Truths, this dissatisfaction. He goes on, whenever you're reading the sutras or the enlightenment stories of the old masters, when your mind doesn't understand clearly and it seems bewildering and stifling and flavorless, as if you're gnawing on an iron spike, this is just the time to apply effort. Above all, you must not give up. This is the place where conceptual knowledge doesn't operate, where thought doesn't reach, where discrimination is cut off and the path of reason is annihilated. Where you can always explain reasons and apply discrimination, this all pertains to emotional consciousness. Time and again, people take this thief as their son. Be aware of this. This should really be very, very encouraging, reassuring. When you, when, when, when we don't understand, we're in a, in a, in a state of not knowing, and we're, our efforts just seem to to uh, don't they don't seem to get us anywhere that is assuming there is effort um, this is where conceptual knowledge doesn't operate we're getting outside of our comfort zone our comfort zone always is thoughts that's that's the default that's the path of least resistance getting drawn again and again and again into our thoughts <coughs> 
but he's he's describing the place that is beyond thought where the rational mind our logic our reason doesn't operate it doesn't it does us no good that's where we want to be in zen practice you could say that every every koan is a kind of a delivery system uh, to get us out of this box of our ordinary discriminating consciousness. But when we get out of it, we are lost. We lose our bearings. In investigating a koan, whether it's mu, what is this, who am I, who is this, uh, we're not trying to come up with an answer. That, that may s- strike some people as very odd. We're not, we, we can't figure it out. And we, we shouldn't even try to figure, figure out suggests working with the discriminating mind, with our discursive consciousness, with our reason. It's not something to be figured out. That's why it can help if we can find uh, the questioning of the koan more in our midsection, in the, in the hara. No one's ever figured out Mu. No one's ever figured out what this is or who who I am. It's beyond figuring. Rather, with a koan, we we just want to lose ourselves in it, become so absorbed in it. And yes, in the questioning, but without any thought of an answer. It's a very important point. We're not trying to get somewhere. We're just trying to thoroughly become the koan, have it fill our whole consciousness. In the case of Mu, to just become Mu. Whatever the question is, just become it. Unify with it. But as a question, yes, Next letter to a Li Shi Piao. You've indicated you want me to instruct you by a letter in the direct essentials. This very thought of seeking instructions in the direct essentials has already stuck your head into a bowl of glue.
is a, is a fundamental misunderstanding or mistake to think that we need, in Zen practice, we need to be instructed in how to work. Yes, there, there, there's a place for that, uh, for sure. place for getting one's posture settled and uh, the, just the basics and how to work. But no, no teacher or anyone else can instruct anyone in the essentials. The essentials is something we don't need instruction in. The essentials is what comes to us, what we uncover ourself. I read somewhere, maybe in, uh, maybe in the Three Pillars of Zen a long time ago, that Yasutani Roshi, Roshi Kaplow's main teacher, Yasutani Roshi once said, Sashin is one-third Zazen, one-third Teisho, and one-third Doksan. But uh, I'm in the strong conviction that whereas that may be true for Japanese, who have such an intense, um, intense relationship to the teacher, um, that it's not so for Westerners. I would, I would have to say for Westerners, it's two-thirds Zazen, three-quarters Zazen, and the rest, Teisho and Doksan. Because the Zazen is where we're finding our way to our innate wisdom. It has to come from within. We can get some things straight, something straightened out. We can uh, indoke sun, uh, but the real work is facing the wall. That's that's the payoff. And it, it would have to be because we we all equally share in this this bodhi mind, the mind of wisdom. It's all within us. It is just uncovering it. I was working on uh, my first koan. Uh, I remember uh, sitting in the in the doksan waiting line, going up from mat to mat, and suddenly realizing that I've got to do it myself. That no no answer that the teacher can give me is really going to do it. Then he says, though I shouldn't add another layer of frost to the snow, nevertheless, where there's a question, it shouldn't go unanswered. And then he answers, I ask you to abandon at once 
all the joy you've ever felt in reading the words of the sutras yourself or when being aroused and instructed by others. So it would seem that this letter is, is, is going to someone who uh, has great love of the sutras and maybe spends more time studying the sutras than doing zazen. Abandon at once all the joy you've ever felt in reading the words of the sutras yourself or when being aroused and instructed by others. In other words, uh, detaching from words. This is the hallmark of the Zen school. It's teaching beyond words. And he goes further. Be totally without knowledge and understanding. As before, like a three-year-old child, though the innate consciousness is there, it isn't operating. And again, the, the stirring of the mind, the figuring out is not, is, is not there. Then he says, and then contemplate what's there before the thought of seeking the direct essentials arises. Look and look. As you feel you're losing your grip more and more and your heart is more and more uneasy, don't give up and slack off. This is the place to cut off the heads of the thousand sages. That is, uh, to free oneself from the words of others. Let me back, back up there. As you feel you're losing your grip more and more, this is what happens uh, as we as we unshackle ourselves from the, the thinking mind, from our thoughts. It is feel like we're, we're losing our bearings. We're losing our moorings. Uh, for most people, this is, this is uh, still a bit early in Sashin for that, but it's something that uh, can often arise later in Sashin when we are getting free of this discursive mind. Uh, this morning in Doksan, someone reported uh, last night a period of sitting where uh, she felt she was in a haze. And it's a, it's a common enough uh, state of mind to go in and out of during Sashin, a kind of a cloudiness, um, confusion, kind of white noise in the mind. You know, Sashin is just a whole series of different states of mind we go through. And we, we, we really, we're really getting somewhere when we, when we have the presence of mind in any state of mind, a 
let's say it's this this one haze, a state of haziness and confusion. If we have the presence of mind to step back and say, "Okay, this is just a state of mind. It's going to pass." So important not to not to dwell in any state of mind. Not to dwell in a, a state of no mind. Not get caught in whatever phenomenon is happening at the moment. How do you do that? How do you not get snagged by any state of mind? Well, you stay with the practice you're working on. Even if it feels it feels ineffectual, and uh, especially in the first half of Sashim, we can... We can often feel ineffectual in our work. Like we just can't, can't get traction. Spinning our wheels. But we mustn't be discouraged at those times. It's, the important thing is not the results, such as may, we may want them to, not the results, but the effort, just the, the continuous effort Right there in the midst of the haze or the confusion or the tiredness is just to to maintain the effort as best we can under those conditions. You're losing your grip more and more and your heart is more and more uneasy. Don't give up and slack off. Students of the way often retreat at this point. If your faith is thoroughgoing, just keep sitting. What precedes, he's asking, what precedes the thought of seeking instruction in the direct essentials? What comes before all questions about the mechanics or the other instructions. And he says, suddenly you will awaken from your dream and there won't be any mistakes about it. Here's a letter to another of his students, someone who is working on the koan mu. Whether you're happy or angry, in quiet or noisy places, you still must bring up Zhao Zhou's mu. Above all, don't consciously await enlightenment. If you consciously await enlightenment, you're saying, In effect, right now I'm deluded. 
If you wait for enlightenment clinging to delusion, though you pass through endless eons, you still will not be able to gain enlightenment. So he's making the point that if if we have, uh, if we're holding in the mind the thought of enlightenment, then then it's just logical that we think we're not. If we if we're if it's if we're positing some place out there in the future, some experience, then uh, we're, there's a kind of a, a presumption that we're basically deluded, and that's, that's the problem. That's split between delusion and enlightenment. This, uh, this is maybe the, the most difficult of the barriers of practice is the thought of awakening. If there's even a trace, a the tiniest modicum of a thought of awakening, then the mind is divided. And that's where the practice comes in, if not the koan, then the breath practice, to the degree that we're absorbed in our practice, there won't be any such thought. We're free. I spent so many sessions thinking I was working on Mu, but really it was it was Mu contaminated by the thought of awakening. It was it was Mu as a way to get to awakening. Okay, all right, I'll do Mu. Yeah, whatever you say, I'll do Mu uh, as a way, as a means to an end. But I couldn't get rid of the end, the goal, until I did. Because it's painful to be in that state of of pining for something in the future that you imagine. When, when we get desperate enough, then we can turn all, all of our attention, all of our concentration into this one question. Moo, what is this? Who am I? The breath. And there's no longer uh, using it as a way to get something. But that can take a long time. It's a state of great purity of mind to be truly single-mindedly absorbed in the koan. And it, and, it, and it requires such faith, such faith in, in, let's say, let's stick with Mu for now, it's such, it takes such faith in Mu. And luckily, faith grows the longer we work on Mu or any koan, the more faith uh, we, we, we find in it until it just takes over and we have total faith in it. And we give up our attachment to our thoughts. There's no room for thoughts in this complete 
devotion to the practice. He continues, whether eating or drinking, whether in quiet or noisy places, you should make scrupulous efforts from moment to moment, always as if you owed someone millions with no way out, your heart sorely troubled with no opening to escape. When your awareness has gotten like this, this is precisely the time to apply effort. Concentrate on the koan right here. A monk asked Zhao Zhou, does a dog have Buddha nature or not? Zhao Zhou said, moo. As you work on this, don't try to figure it out. Don't try to explain it. Don't demand clear understanding. So there too, uh, accepting when our understanding is, is hazy. Don't demand it. Don't take it verbally. Don't construe the raising of it as the principle. Don't fall into empty quiescence. And then again, don't consciously anticipate enlightenment because that means you've got the thought of it in your mind. Don't take your understanding from the explanations of the teachers of our school. Don't drop it into the bag of unconcern. This, uh, this is uh, a state that uh, many, many of us have experienced where, again, another temporary state of mind where we just sort of go flat, and we just think, okay, whatever. Who cares? This, uh, this one phrase here, don't fall into empty quiescence. Uh, don't become attached to states of quiet. Sometimes the koan uh, slips away and we can relish the experience of just having the mind quiet and settled. It can be very seductive. But that's, that's a conditioned state. It's not any kind of breakthrough. It's just a temporary, lovely state of quiet and not something we want to linger in. And he repeats, whether walking, standing, sitting, or lying down, just constantly call the koan to mind. What is mu? What is it? What is this? Who am I? When you can keep your attention on it fully, when verbal discussion and intellectual consideration cannot reach 
and your heart is agitated, when it's like gnawing on an iron spike without any flavor, then you must not falter in your intent. When you get like this, it's good news. Yeah, it, sure, it isn't comfortable, that's for sure. And when we're gripped by this state of, of, of doubt, of questioning, it's a state of unrest. Sentient beings' obstruction by harmful deeds is serious. Sentient beings is uh, just a, uh, another way of saying the unenlightened. No sooner do they get out of bed each day than their minds fly around in confusion. Thinking of fame and profit They take up the false concept of others and self, continuing unbroken like the links of a chain from morning till night without ever growing tired of it. It just occurs to me as I'm reading this that this taking up the false concepts of others and self, boy, that has really, really gone into overdrive through social media. What a, what a, Hit to fall into this comparing oneself to others, seeing one's other one's photo, the photos on on social media, Instagram, so forth, and comparing oneself. I don't know. I've never been on those things, but I've read a lot about that. That how tormenting it can be to be comparing oneself to others. It's a kind of a hell. thinking of fame and profit. These are, he tosses this off in just a few words, but so many people spend so much time thinking of of fame, how to become famous. Again, that too is is, uh, really inflamed through social media. Fame and profit. How do we gain and avoid losing? And this all becomes like the links of a chain. And he says, if perchance they think of entering the Zen school, they think about it intellectually and immediately want to understand it themselves. Since the judgments of the mind's conceptual discrimination do not apply here, that is, they they don't work, just thinking about it, they get annoyed and already want to give up, saying, what reason is there? People like this are beyond counting. Then he, uh, he lays on a bit of praise to this, uh, the recipient of this letter. But you are not this way, Shun Yuan, companion in the path, Knowing all the empty falsehoods of this defective world, with singleness of mind and intent, 
you want to understand right where you are, where we come from when we're born and where we go to when we die. Since you don't know where we come from, you don't know where we go either. The clear, solitary light present right here, the one that distinguishes right and wrong, good and bad for people, decides what is and what is not, what's true and what's false. Decides what is and what is it, what's true and what's false. Now this is, uh, again, the, the mind of, uh, of, of our fundamental awareness with a capital A, also known as Buddha, our Buddha nature. Wait till you're like one drinking water who knows for himself whether it's cold or warm and doesn't accept the judgment in the mouth of someone else. That's, that's been the, the hallmark of the Zen school for 1,500 years. Direct experience. Direct experience. Suddenly you will burst forth and reach the ultimate peace and bliss, the place of great rest and great surcease. Then for the first time you give your own approval. You know, you, one knows for oneself. Haven't you read how in the old days, Master Tzu Hu said, the Patriarchs coming from the West only means that winter is cold and summer is hot, night is dark, and day is light. It's just that you vainly set up meaning where there is no meaning, create concern where there is no concern, impose inside and outside where there is no inside or outside and talk endlessly of this and that where nothing exists. You vainly set up meaning where there is no meaning, unnecessarily. Life isn't a riddle to be solved but a reality to be lived. We impose these these complications, meaning, ideas of inside and outside, this and that. This is an overlay that we bring to reality through this discursive, discursive mind of ours. Therefore, your cessation cannot be perfectly clear so that you cannot be independent of the senses and their objects. 
By this assessment, you have never come to my place seeking words of instruction, and I have never written a single word for you. He's talking about the, the realm of the essential, the, the, the eternal, the unmoving. Winter's cold, summer's heat, night's darkness, day's light, inside, outside, in between, east, west, south, north, have never varied, never increased or decreased the least little bit. What's the reason, he asks. And then he seems to be quoting someone here, their quotation marks. Our school has no words and phrases nor is there any doctrine to give to people. Since there's not a single doctrine to give to people, what's this that's written here? And what is it that speaks of winter, winter's cold, summer heat, inside, outside, and in between? What is it that has never shifted east, west, south, or north, a hair's breadth? Bah! Let go of all these concepts, he's saying. They have their use, of course. Words have their use, and all of these discriminations, these distinctions have their use. But they're useless in terms of realizing the essential. For that, we have to find our way free of these things. To the other side, the dark side of the moon. Existence cannot be grasped. Non-existence cannot be grasped either. Winter's cold and summer's heat cannot be grasped. Inside, outside, and in between cannot be grasped. Well, that's the end of this letter, so we'll stop now and recite the four vows. <laughs> 